is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. This is Pastor Rob Chambers of Reedtown Community Church in Newport, Tennessee. It is our earnest hope and prayer that something will be said or done through word or song that will be a blessing to your heart. What God's given to me, I need something from you. Three things. Your attention, your prayers, and a little bit of encouragement. Every now and again, give me an amen, praise the Lord, wave your hand. I won't stop and call on you because we're not taking questions. But I need some acknowledgement from you that I'm on the right track. It's hard to know that you're preaching what God wants preached when you get no reaction. You could be doing just exactly what God has laid out for you to be doing, saying just the way God wants it. But if you don't get any feedback, it becomes difficult. It's a harder hill to climb. So the harder you pray, the more attention you pay, and the more you react, this service will just fly right through. It don't matter. We may be here until 2 o'clock, but it'll fly. It'll fly. We'll have a good time in the Lord this morning. And before we get started, by the way, don't anybody ask me. Yes, we're having services tonight, 6 o'clock. It's a no-brainer. Preacher, if you loved us, you'd let us loose tonight. It's exactly because I do love you that we'll be here tonight. There are more important things than the Super Bowl. Now, if you've been listening to the news and watched any television and heard people talking at work, you would begin to think, well, maybe there's not anything more important because that's all you've heard. All week long, that's all you've heard. Colts or Saints? Who do you think is going to win, Colts or the Saints? <laughs> that's all. Everywhere you go, people ask you. Who do you think? Everybody I've worked on their phone, what do you think about the game? Who do you think? What do you think? What do you think? You would think that the two teams had never played before. I haven't played many times, but can anybody tell me the first time the Colts met the Saints? Or the Saints met the Colts? And I'll give you a hint, it's not in this century. You can find it in the Word of God. The first time the Saints met the Colts, can anybody tell me? Nobody has any idea? Ah, you're going to be kicking yourself when you hear it. No, 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 no. Before that, before that. Turn to Matthew. Chapter 21. And when they drew nigh to Jerusalem and were come to Bethpage under the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Sion, Behold, the king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. 
And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come in Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? The answer to my first question you can find in the second and third verse. Or actually the fourth verse. The saints being the disciples that went, and they found the colt. That's the first time the saints met the colt. We're not going to look at that this morning. We're going to go to the last verse that I read to you. Take our idea for the uh, uh, sermon this morning. In the 10th verse, 21st chapter of Matthew, actually we're going to take the last three words of that verse. Who is this? Who is this? <laughs> all the miracles that he had performed, all the crowds that had followed him, all the things that he had done in Jerusalem, all over the country, and yet people are still asking, Who is this? Who is this? Same thing today. The exact same thing today. 2,000 years the Word of God has been taught and preached. There's not a person sitting here today that before hasn't heard about Jesus Christ. We live in an area of this country where it's predominant. It influences our everyday speech, our language, the expressions that we use come out of the Word of God. It's pervasive in our society, especially here in this part of the country. But it's sad to say that there are still people who ask the question, who is this? Now, they know who the cults and the saints are. They know who the cults and the saints They can quote statistics. Well, uh, 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 the saints have the... the uh, 29th worst defense in the, in, the, in the league. The Colts have the best offense. They know the history of football. They can go back and think about games played 60 years ago. They know the players' names. Drew Brees, Peyton Manning. They can tell you about different plays. They can tell you all the different rules of the game. But they don't know who Jesus is. They don't know who Jesus is. When you begin to talk, them about, talk to them about God and about His Son, Jesus Christ, they say, who is this? Who is this person that you're talking to me about? Well, I'm here to tell you this morning just exactly who this man was that was riding upon that colt into Jerusalem that day. There were a few people that had an idea about who he was. His mother... The men that were following, some of the disciples, they had an inkling, but they didn't fully grasp it yet. It was only after, only after he had died on the cross that they truly understood just exactly what it was he'd been telling them about. This man that we see there riding into Jerusalem, praised as the deliverer of that nation, this is the God King that came down out of heaven. This is the God King that reigneth forever and forever and forever and was there at the foundations of the beginning of the world, Brother Otha. Yes. 
John chapter 1 verse 1 said that in the beginning was God and in there was with God was the Word of God and the Word was God. And there was nothing made but what He didn't make it. Who is this? This is God incarnate. This is God in the flesh. This is God made man come down riding into Jerusalem. This was the promised Messiah that thousands of years this nation had looked for. But still people say, who is this? Who is this? This was the God-man. 100% God. Completely divine. 100% man. 100% flesh. Who took upon himself the sins of the whole world. If you'll read Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9. It said, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. What was Jesus' purpose coming to earth? Oh, he was a prophet. He was a healer. He was a good man. He was a good teacher. He didn't come for that. He came to die. He came to die. That was the only reason that he came. He did other good things while he was on the earth. He taught, he preached, he healed, he cast out demons. But his one and only purpose for coming was to die on the cross for all of mankind. That's what Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9 said. To taste death for every man. Because it has been promised to you and I that every man will see death and after that the judgment. But the grace of God, the grace of God saw fit to send a substitute for you and I. See, right there is where you insert those amens. That's where an amen would come, right there. Who was this? This was the Lamb of God riding upon this colt into the city of Jerusalem. In Isaiah chapter 53 verse 7, He is brought as a lamb to slaughter, and as a sheep before shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. You bring a sheep to be sheared. Nowadays they use electric shears. They used to use manual clippers. And they'll hold it down and they'll take all the wool off. He came like a lamb dumb to slaughter, but it wasn't wool they took off his back. It wasn't wool they took off his back, Tony. They took all the flesh off of his back. And it wasn't a set of shears they used. It was a Roman flagellum. Known to you and I as a cat of nine's tails. That stripped him from the back of his head to the bottom of his feet. If you read a little further in, in Isaiah 53, verse 5 says, He was wounded... For our transgression. And he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Amen. Amen. Now note the grammatical structure of that verse. Wounded. Bruised. The chastisement was upon him. Those are all past tense. 
But praise God, look at the last line of that verse. We are healed, present tense, now, by what He did then, by the things He went through and endured, by His bruising, by His stripes, by His blood. We have healing now. Praise God. Glory, hallelujah, to the Lamb of God. The question we shouldn't be asking, it isn't who is this, not who is this, but who am I? Who am I? Who is this riding into Jerusalem on the back of this colt? It's the final sacrifice. The ultimate sacrifice for mankind. Back in the Old Testament, well, you go all the way back to Adam and Eve. All the way back to the garden. What happened after Adam and Eve sinned? What did God do? God gave them skins to put on. God killed an animal. There had to be a shedding of blood to cover the sins of Adam and Eve. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. You and I, our sin and our life, there had to be blood shed. And if Christ hadn't died on the cross, guess whose blood it would have been? Wave your little paw up in the air. Every man, woman, boy, and girl, your blood would be required. But see, through the sacrifice system, it was the blood of goats and of lambs and of bulls. But that wasn't enough. That wasn't enough. There had to be something else. There had to be something better, something stronger, something permanent. That would never have to be repeated. This was the Passover week. At the end of the week, they would celebrate the Passover, their deliverance out of Egypt. And they celebrated Passover with a lamb, unspotted, unblemished. And they would kill it and prepare it in a certain way. All the lambs around Jerusalem for the Passover. All the lambs that the people who traveled to Jerusalem and brought their lambs. As Jesus is riding in this gate on the colt, the sheep gate to Jerusalem is packed full of sacrificial lambs that very soon in just a few days will die. But on the other side of the city, the Lamb of God is riding in. The last sacrifice that will ever be needed to satisfy the sin debt of mankind Romans 5 and 6 says, When we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. And if you read a little bit further on, if you go on over to about verse 8, it says, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not after we had potential. Not after He found something redeeming in us. But while we were wallowing in our sin, while we were broken, while we were excluded and cut off from God, Christ died anyway to redeem you and I. Who is this riding in on this colt into Jerusalem? Oh, it's the great high priest. The great high priest in Romans chapter 7. Romans 7 verse 24. This man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood, 
Wherefore he is able also to save them to the othermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to suffer up sacrifice, to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the Son who is consecrated forevermore. Forevermore. The old high priest would die. The old high priest would sin. The old high priest would have to confess his own sin, sacrifice for self. And if that wasn't sufficient enough, then nothing else he did counted. God said, I'm going to fix that. I'm going to make one last and great high priest who'll serve till the end of time. He'll never have to go and offer a sacrifice for his sins. He was the sacrifice. Gave up his own life, willingly, his own blood, gloriously. And never, ever, ever will he have to do it again, Brother Carson. One time. One time was sufficient. Who is this riding into Jerusalem on this colt? This is Jesus. This is Jesus. This is our Redeemer riding into Jerusalem. You're familiar in sports terminology how they'll trade a player. I'll trade you this guy for that guy. God said, I'll trade you. He said, I'll trade you for my son. I love everybody here. I've got one son. I won't trade him for you. I love you, but I don't love you that much. I don't love you that much. I'll trade myself. I'll trade me for you, but I won't trade my son for you. God said, I'll trade. I'll trade my son for that worthless, vile, wicked sinner right there. Can you believe that? Would you do that? He did. That's what redemption means, traded. He's our Redeemer. He was traded for us. I, 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 can't, I can't fathom that. There is no human being ever alive, ever, that has ever done anything worthy to be traded for the Son of God. Except for God's mercy and grace. The mercy and grace of God. That's the only explanation that fits. That's the only explanation that works. It's God's love, God's mercy, and God's grace to you and I that he would trade his son to redeem a fallen mankind. This is Jesus riding on that colt. This is our Savior. This is the one that saved us from ourself. That saved us from self. Born into a world of sin. Born under the curse of Adam and Eve. Didn't have to do anything. Didn't have to do anything. It's just there. 
That don't sound rightly fair, preacher. I'm not talking about fair. I'm talking about fact. I'm talking about reality. I'm talking about truth. Now, you and I both know as a child grows up, a child's innocent. There's nothing wrong with that child. child's never done anything to have sin in his life. That's why God watches over. That's why there's an age of accountability that God watches over those children. But we are born into sin, every man, woman, boy, and girl. There's no getting around it. As we talked about Wednesday night, the only one that wasn't was Jesus. Why? Because he wasn't born of man. That's why you have to have the virgin birth. That's why without the virgin birth, none of this works. He was born of a woman, not of man. He doesn't have the idemic nature that you and I have. He wasn't born under the curse. He came to save us from ourselves because he knew exactly what path we would choose. We'd choose the easy path. The wide road that the Bible talks about, the broad gate, and many there be that go in at. He knew that's the way we'd go. When you pour water out, does it roll downhill? Always. If there's a slope and you pour water on that slope, water always rolls down here. Water will not go uphill. You and I, left to our own choices, would always choose sin. Like a dog returns to his vomit, the Bible says. This is Jesus riding into Jerusalem. Our Lord. Our Lord. Our Lord who wants to provide for us. He wants to provide a way of escape right now for you this morning. You that are sitting here under the sound of my voice and whatever it is in your life that is gnawing at you, that is robbing you of peace and joy, that's keeping you awake at night, that's troubling you during the day, that's worrying you. He wants to provide a way of escape for that. And he has one himself. He wants to provide for your every need according to his riches and glory, the Bible says. Think about that. This is the man, this is the being, this is the person who all he has to do is speak and it comes into existence. You know, he created everything and he still can. He's not stopped creating. He can speak it. If you need it, all he has to do is say it and there it is for you. That's the person I want on my side. That's the person I want in my corner. That's the person I want to have my back. He wants to provide for us. But as we talked about in the Sunday school lesson with the Canaanite woman, he wanted faith first. Faith had to come first. You have to believe in him. You have to trust in him. You have to confess him. You have to profess him. You have to make him Redeemer, Lord, and Savior of your life. Ladies, come to the piano. You may be here this morning. You've never met this man who rode into Jerusalem on a colt. 
Never met him before. But there's something in the back of your mind. There's something in the center of your chest that's gnawing, scratching. There's a, there's a tightness. There's a stirring. You don't know what it is, you can't explain it. It's this man, Jesus. And he's knocking at the door of your heart gently. And he's saying, if you will let me come in, if you will let me come in and introduce myself to you, all these things that this man has been talking about this morning and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of times more I have for you, if you'll let me in. If you'll let me in. Maybe you're here this morning. At one time, you were acquainted with this man. Maybe it was just a casual acquaintance. You never really got to know him the way you should get to know him. It wasn't a permanent thing. And over time, you lost contact with him. Drifted away from him. He's knocking at your heart as well. Because he wants to be reunited with you. He wants your relationship restored. He misses you. He loves you. He wants to fellowship once again with you. You're here this morning and you know this man, Jesus. You know him intimately. He's the best friend in the world to you. Better than any father, mother, or brother could be. But as well as you know him, you just want to know him more. The more you know him, the more you want to know him. The deeper your love for him grows. And there's something in your life that's causing a problem. Causing a distress. There's a need, a worry, a weight. If you'll just come bring that to him this morning. He said, just give me that satchel. Just give me that bag. I'll carry it. Give it to me. Give it to me. I'll carry the burden. I'll walk beside you. I'll walk with you. I'll whisper comforting words in your ear. And no matter what this world brings against you, I'll never leave or forsake you. You may just want to come up here and lay on the altar and get hugged. If you do, that's fine. But whatever the reason this morning, whatever the reason he's knocking on your heart this morning, don't turn him away. Don't turn him away. He loves you. He loves you. He wants to introduce himself to you in a way that I can't. I can tell you about him. I can tell you about his attributes. I can tell you what he can and will do for you. But I can't fully explain it. I don't have the ability. It's something you can only experience. And it doesn't take but a small taste of it. And then you'll be crying, I want more. I want more. I want more. God, give me more. As we stand this morning and sing, Come if you have a need this morning.
We hope that you've enjoyed our podcast presentation. If you would like more information about the church or any additional podcast, please join us on the web at www.reedtowncommunitychurchpodcast.blogspot.com. That's spelled R-E-I-D-T-O-W-N, communitychurchpodcast.blogspot.com. Thank you and God bless.